This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Ukrainian officials said that 29 villages had been flooded after the destruction of the Kakhovka Dam in a Russian-controlled area of southeast Ukraine. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians no longer have access to drinking water following the breach. The UN convened an emergency session of its Security Council to discuss the issue, during which Russia and Ukraine blamed each other for the blasts. President Vladimir Putin said the dam breach was a, quote, barbaric act. Meanwhile, Anna Maler, Ukraine's deputy defense minister, said her country's forces had advanced across various sections of the front line near Bakhmut, an eastern town that Russia captured in May. Ms. Maler said Bakhmut, quote, remains the epicenter of hostilities. In recent days, Ukrainian troops have been testing Russian defenses across most of the 1,000-kilometer front. The New York City region recorded its worst-ever air quality as smoke from wildfires in central Canada enveloped the region in hazy smog. On Wednesday, an air quality index hit 324. Levels above 300 are considered hazardous. Readings in Toronto were similarly high-risk. Flights bound for New York-area airports were temporarily grounded due to low visibility. Smoke density is projected to intensify still. CNN, an American media outlet, announced that Chris Licht would step down as the company's chief executive after only one year in the role. Mr. Licht took the reins after the previous boss, Jeff Zucker, was forced to resign over an undisclosed office romance. But CNN's ratings have dropped during his tenure and he faced widespread criticism for convening a town hall with Donald Trump on May 10th. Lionel Messi said he would join Inter Miami, part of America's Major League Soccer. It will mark the Argentine football star's first professional stint outside Europe. Mr. Messi rejected a lucrative offer from Saudi Arabia, surprising many. He intimated that his preference would have been to go to Barcelona, where he had spent 21 years. The European Commission began legal action against Poland over its new law to counter Russian influence in the country. The legislation, approved last week, establishes a state commission with the power to ban individuals from holding office. Its remit is incredibly vague, and critics say that the bill is another attempt by the Polish government to undermine the rule of law. Prince Harry finished giving evidence in his court case against the publishers of the Daily Mirror in London. For a second day, he was cross-examined about claims that the paper used unlawful methods to obtain information about him. Under scrutiny on Wednesday were articles about the prince's visit to the Spearmint Rhino Strip Club and bust-ups with a former girlfriend. And figure of the day, 44%, the share of legal tasks that could be performed by AI, according to Goldman Sachs, a bank. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Japan's remarkable economic recovery. The Japanese economy seems to have come out swinging since COVID-19. Analysts will be able to judge the extent of the recovery on Thursday, when the country releases its GDP data for the first quarter of 2023. Early indicators suggest they will find much to celebrate. Preliminary data initially showed an expansion of 1.6% year-on-year, later revised to 1.9%. Productivity has been boosted by companies buying equipment in response to pandemic-induced labor shortages. Capital expenditure in the first quarter rose by 11%. 
the fastest gain since 2015. Bursts in consumption and tourism have also aided growth, yet a sluggish world economy continues to hurt Japan by weakening demand for its manufacturing goods. In particular, slow growth in China, Japan's biggest trading partner, is holding back exports. Inflation has also hit a four-decade high, not least because Japan is currently keeping interest rates far lower than elsewhere. It may not be able to buck global trends for much longer. Biden and Sunak are not quite in lockstep. Rishi Sunak, Britain's prime minister, will meet Joe Biden, America's president, in Washington, D.C. on Thursday. Prospects for an Anglo-American trade deal, once touted as a benefit of Brexit, are slim. Instead, Mr. Sunak will seek to solve a looming problem, the risks to British supply chains from Mr. Biden's $369 billion green subsidies package in his Inflation Reduction Act. Mr. Sunak said that, quote, subsidy races are not the way to achieve climate goals. Mr. Sunak also wants Britain to have a greater role in regulating artificial intelligence. He is hoping for a lighter touch regime than the one developed by the EU, with the aim of luring investment. The two men will also discuss Ukraine. The transatlantic special relationship deteriorated under Boris Johnson, a former prime minister, but Mr. Sunak has revived it somewhat, in large part because he agreed to a new settlement between Northern Ireland and the EU, a cause close to Mr. Biden's heart. The EU's Difficult Migration Discussions Ever since Europe's migrant crisis in 2015 and 2016, the bloc has needed a collective system to deal with refugees. All efforts to create one have failed. On Thursday, however, the Justice and Home Affairs Ministers of EU countries will meet to try to agree on two of the pieces such a system would require standard rules for processing applications for asylum, and a mechanism for ensuring applications are shared more evenly among member countries. Both are tricky. Countries at the EU's southern edge, such as Greece and Italy, get far more refugees than others. Those other countries currently agree only to a weak solidarity mechanism, which offers EU border states little concrete support. These states then often take harsh measures, some of them illegal, to push back or deport migrants, and oppose rules that would limit their freedom to do so. Even if the ministers can agree on a solution, any reforms will have to be approved by the European Parliament. Wiz Air's High Hopes Can Wiz regain its zip? That will be the question on the minds of investors on Thursday, when the Hungarian budget airline, the third biggest low-cost carrier in Europe after Ryanair and EasyJet, reports its annual results. Wiz is still recovering from the pandemic, which depressed travel, as well as from the results of the war in Ukraine, the core of its business in Eastern and Central Europe. It probably lost money in the year to the end of March, but Wiz is on course to become profitable again in 2024. 
Travel-starved passengers will keep demand and fares high. Meanwhile, the airline is serving new destinations and finding ways to fill up more seats on its planes. It is still uncertain whether Wiz will succeed with its ambitious expansion plans. It wants to triple its fleet to some 500 planes by 2030 and perhaps carry 200 million passengers a year. If it manages that, then Zip will turn to Zoom. Poland's Abortion Ban on Trial When one plaintiff lodged her case in 2021, she was 27 years old and 10 weeks pregnant. She feared that if there were complications, she would not get the care she needed in Poland. Another plaintiff said that if her fetus was defective, no longer grounds for abortion in Poland as of 2021, carrying it to term would be, quote, torture. These cases, and six others, will be decided by the European Court of Human Rights in Strasbourg on Thursday. All are brought by women who accuse Poland of violating their rights by tightening abortion laws. Since January 2021, abortions have only been permitted in Poland in cases of rape or incest, or if the mother's health is at risk. These are the strictest rules imposed by any rich country. Doctors have since delayed performing even legal procedures. Women have died as a result. The underground abortion network has expanded. Many Poles seek abortions abroad or smuggle in pills. The ECHR's ruling, though non-binding, may highlight how far Poland has diverged from contemporary European norms. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown three winners on Saturday. Thursday. Which was the first company to reach a market capitalization of $1 trillion? Wednesday. What phrase is used to describe the practice of demanding public spending that will benefit the constituents of an elected politician? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Marguerite Yusener, who was born on this day in 1903. A touch of madness is, I think, almost always necessary for constructing a destiny. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.